Right, why don't we, um, why don't we pray? Mike, why don't you pray for us, yeah. and then we'll, um, we'll kick into this. Father, you are a glorious God, a glorious God who has created uh, people from all backgrounds, tongues, tribes, nations, uh, with all sorts of diversity, uh, to come before the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to kneel before him as our Lord and our Saviour. Father, just hearing the story of the Globe Church and where we are now, Father, we pray that this day would be uh, God-glorifying and God-honouring in the way we talk about this and share this as we look to your word, as we listen to one another. Father, be with us by the power of your spirit, we pray, that we can grow in this area of church life for your glory. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. What we're going to do, um, in this first session, we're going to cover a lot of the kind of the Bible stuff. Um, so I think quite a lot of this stuff that we cover is going to be um, quite familiar, perhaps, to some of you, quite new to some of you. That's fine. Um, but I hope as we go through that, that we're convinced as a church, right, that it's the Bible that is the way that God speaks to us. And it's the Bible is the means by which God repairs his temple. We don't do that any other way. So we listen to God's voice. Then in the second session, we're going to be much more practical. And we're going to think about, we're going to have a bit more discussion, hear back from you. And then this afternoon, we're going to get even more practical in three seminars, which will really dig into what this might look like in practice. So that's, we're sort of going from the Bible through to increasingly practical. Um, and we're going to try and whiz through um, and, and make, off, make some stopping points as we go. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. If you've got a Bible or a phone, whatever, um, go to Genesis chapter 1. And if you want a kind of heading for this first section, we're going to have four headings as we go through. Um, if you want a heading for the first section, it's really um, humanity's purpose. Right, what is humanity supposed to be? Let's at least get that clear. Um, so let me read Genesis 1.27, and then, Mike, why don't you talk us through kind of what the image of God stuff means and how that's been, your understanding of that and how that's been important. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Yeah, thanks, Jonty. So um, why is this so foundational to this entire topic? Uh, so I've done just... The way I've grown up in this country as a South Korean born to immigrant parents, um, I've looked at this a lot, and it all starts here. Genesis chapters 1 to 3 are so crucial to, to lots of our, our belief, but particularly diversity um, and issues around it. Why? Because it shows us who we are as human beings. It's a very simple truth that a lot of you will know, but God created us in his image, male and female he created us. And that means we are one human race. That we all have dignity found in God. That is who we are. We are all image bearers. So no matter what background we have, our cultural upbringing, our education, our ethnicity, we look at one another as those who are image bearers in God. And that is just foundational to everything that we start with. Now, a lot of people stop there. And we're going to go further into, okay, what about the diversity aspects? We're going to explore that. But that is so key to understanding this. Because the word race, I think, in society today is, is carrying a lot of baggage that's grown over the last 200 years or so. 
um, things that come out of biology and science to say, okay, race is basically different people based on physical traits. That's often how they see it. And from there, you get lots of arguments of superiority and inferiority, and that's where a lot of the horrible stuff that we've seen in the last couple of centuries has, has come about. But the Bible says that, no, 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 we are one human race. Uh, and that is, that is really key to, to everything here. Um, so there are four things I think that are really key about this particular part of us created in God's image. The first is that we, are in, uh, we have inherent worth, we have dignity as human beings, we are image bearers in God. The second thing you notice though is uh, verse 27, he created a male and a female. Even at this point, there is diversity in the human race. Male and female, he created them. There's a difference between the two, but they are both equal in the eyes of God. They have equal worth and dignity. That's the second thing that we see. The third thing that we see is there is, hu- there is unity in this humanity, in this human race. Later on in chapter 2, at the end, if you want to flick forward to that, it just says, um, this is why a man, and, uh, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. There is unity in that diversity. That is what we see here. And then the, th- the final thing is, back in the passage we just read, God tells him to be fruitful and multiply. There is, humanity is called to be a blessing unto the world. So those are four key foundations to everything about us as human beings. We are created in his image. Uh, we are created diverse. We are created to be united. created to be a blessing. And then, of course, the fall comes and that shatters everything. So just, just can I just pick up on the, the, the race thing? So you talk about the human race. So would you not use the word race to talk about different races? Um, I've moved away from that. The reason being because of the way the world uses that word uh, and because of the baggage that comes with it, I, I tend to veer towards ethnicity. That's actually a Bible word. Ethnos is found in the Bible to talk about the peoples. And that is where we get that word from. And Ethnicity goes much deeper than just the physical differences that we see. It goes into cultural differences, into kind of religious, like religion plays a lot into the way it shapes our culture. Um, and so ethnicity picks up a lot of that on, the, on our language, on our tribes, tongues, nations, that sort of thing. So I much tend towards ethnicity rather than race. But really helpful idea that yeah. there's one human race who are different peoples, yeah, exactly. different ethnicities. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, okay, so, so that's the, the beautiful picture. Um, it's obviously shattered by humanity rebelling against God, and that unity is broken, uh, even between the man and the woman, and suddenly division enters the world. Yeah. Um, and as, as you race through, and so we're gonna, I'm going to race us through this bit. Um, as, as you race through, you see the impact of the, the human rebellion against God. You see the mess that, that it comes. But... Still under this idea of God's purpose for humanity, he isn't done with his purpose. So if we scoot forward, we'll go through through Noah and the floods and keep going forwards. You get to Genesis chapter 10, which is one of those chapters which you look at initially and you go, well, this is a list of names, a list of nations. This is this really that exciting? But you think it is exciting. Yeah. So this is a... It that's a relief, not, Mike. I've got to be honest, that's good news. Yeah. It's not where I chose my kid's name or anything. That's what often people do with this stuff. Um, <laughs> this is, so for me personally, on my personal journey, 
Uh, John's just going to touch a little bit on the Tower of Babel, but just to mention it, a lot of people just go quickly to the Tower of Babel story. If you know it, basically the world had one common tongue, one common people, and then they rebel against God, and then everything gets divided. And that's why we have different languages. And for me, growing up in this country, when I first went to primary school, I spoke Korean to these kids. And they're like, what are you talking about? So I went home going, Mom, no one understands me. I said, oh, I've got to let you know that you speak Korean, they speak English. Like, oh, right. <laughs> and, and ever since then, whenever, whenever I've been in majority settings as a minority, it's some, when those frustrations come, I just go, man, if only we hadn't messed up with the Tower of Babel. And it feels like it's a bad thing. Like this diversity, this ethnicity, these different languages is such a headache. You know, how many of you loved learning French? I know some people are linguists, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, oh, I've got to do this exam and learn these other languages. But here is why. Like, so if you just look at Genesis 11, that's the way you think. But Genesis 10 puts a totally different spin on it. And this really helped me in my personal journey. So um, Genesis 10 is basically from Noah, there were three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then from those three sons, you get tons of people coming out. Um, and it goes through each of the sons and shows you the, the different ty types of people. But here's the interesting thing. If you look at verse 5, so this is Japheth, one of the sons. Loads of people come through. Verse 5, chapter 10, verse 5. From these maritime people spread out into their territories by their clans within their nations, each with its own language. Ah, hang on, Genesis 11, Tower of Babel is coming after this book. There's already different languages and nations here. Jump forward to, to the Hamites. So again, uh, verse 20. These are the sons of Ham by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. So hang on. Again, these people are spreading out across the world, but they've got their own territories, their nations, their tongue. Again, same thing again with the Semites. Uh, verse 31. These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. I find this really confusing. It's like, hang on, this is coming before Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel story. What is going on here? And what you realize is God loves diversity. This was his plan all along. He wanted that blessing that he gave to, Abraham, to Adam at the start, to Noah, to say, go be fruitful and multiply. And do that. as you go and do that, I want my peoples to spread out across the world, taking my glory into the far corners of the earth. And I want that in a diverse way. Genesis 11 comes up, the, the, the author of Genesis put Genesis 11 after to say, this is where we mess up. This is where we take something good and we turn it into something sinful. That is, that is what is going on here. So you have to kind of read Genesis chapter 10, 11, and 12 together. Because then after Genesis 11, you're thinking, oh no, we've messed up. But then the hope comes in Abraham. And it's actually, if you look at the story of Abraham just before, it carries on, in the rest of chapter 11, carrying on the story of here are the sons again. And here's the hope found in Abraham, the blessing that's to come. That is the way I saw it. And so what I realized was actually God loves diversity. He always has. It's not a new thing. It's been there right throughout from the start. And it gave me a lot more hope and confidence and assurance of who I, who I am as a, as a person. Um, that, is, that is why this table of nations is, is so, so key to, to us as Christians, to understanding what God is doing, what is ours. So that's brilliant. So, in chapter, so there's God's purpose, right? God's purpose is humanity spreading out, filling the earth, different languages, ethnicities, filling the earth. That was always his intention. Right, the second big thing, we're going to move slightly fast. The second big thing we see after humanity's purpose is humanity's pride. So if we flick over to chapter 11 of Genesis, 
what we will find is that humanity always resists God's good purpose. So God's purpose is to fill the earth and subdue it, to spread out, to, to, to go be the different nations with different languages. That was God's intention, chapter 10. Chapter 11, humanity will always work in opposition to God's plan, but God will fulfill his plan anyway. So listen to what chapter 11 of Genesis says. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Now, like Mike says, you've got to ask something about the chronology, right? So what does that mean, the whole world had a language? Genesis 10 says there's all sorts of languages, and then Genesis 11, they've got a common language. I think there's two ways to understand it. I'm not sure which of these is true. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a lot of difference. Either this is talking pre-Genesis 10, right? So he's saying, let me explain how that all happened. Or actually what he's talking about is one of the tribes, one of the lines, the line of Ham, which I think is what's happening. So I think what he's talking about in Genesis 11 is that the one of the lines, Ham, is the line that becomes this rebellious nation. Because that's what you read in chapter 10, that they get to Shinar, that they get to Babylon. And it's only the line of Ham that we're told are scattered. All the others we're told are spread out. So the line of Japheth and the line of Shem, they spread. The line of Ham had to be scattered. Why? Because of chapter 11. So what happens in chapter 11 is, so either it's literally all of humanity before Genesis 10, or I think more likely the, the line of Ham. Here they are, they're moving eastward. Um, they find this plain. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. So here they are, the technology is advancing. This is good, right? Here's a city, technology's advancing, they're using their brains. They're not just, up until this point, it would have been like, ooh, stone, can make something out of that. Now they're saying, hang on, we could make bricks. And so they make bricks and they bake them thoroughly and they're being creative and they're being in... in ooh. <laughs> the heating's gone off. They... Um, they're taking initiative and they're, they're making progress, right? You see, you see the city's making progress. But look what, look what happens. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Others we, otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So here is this great people who have one language, a common speech. They say, let's all just stay together. And we say, that's wonderful. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that what humanity so often thinks we should be doing? Let's have one language, one speech, let's gather together. But that wasn't God's intention. That was never what humanity was supposed to do. That's humanity's pride resisting God and saying, no, we'll do it our way. And we think it'd be better if we all stayed together and we were one with one language, one speech. And they make a name for themselves. So they build this tower up to heaven. And then verse 5 is one of the most devastating verses to human pride in the whole Bible. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And you've probably heard me say this before because I love this. Here they are building a tower up to heaven. And God in heaven says, 
They're building something down there, but it is very small. I can't see what it is. Can you see what it is? I can't see what it is. Let's go down and have a look. Come on, let's go down. They go down. Oh, look, it's a tower. Oh, how sweet. They've made a tower. Right? It's, it's pathetic. It's ridiculous. Humanity's pride. And the results, the punishments on humanity is that they are scattered. And, and, and Mike thinks this is important because he told me. Um, the punishment of Babel is not that there are different languages. Is this right? Yeah. The punishment of Babel is not that there are different languages. The punishment of Babel is that there is confusion. You see, the, the different languages was always meant to be God's intention. It's the confusion and the hostility and the division that comes because of those languages. And so they're scattered over the face of the whole earth, which was always God's intention to spread out, but humanity resisted, and so God scattered them. But the judgment is the confusion. Anyway, we need to scoot along a lot faster. So we've got humanity's... Uh, Purpose, humanity's pride, and then humanity's recreation. Yeah. We're going. We're skipping a lot now. Not very much. Um, a really quick note, just on on the curse, curse on Ham. Who's ever heard of this curse of Ham? Curse on Ham. Has anyone ever heard this? Mm. A few people might have done. This is quite. I'm just going to touch on this really briefly because it's really important. Um, if you've ever spoken to black brothers or sisters who are Christians, this is a massive issue for them. Because a lot of people would argue that the curse of Ham is why um, African Caribbeans are inferior. This is often where they go to. So for us, we might not be aware of this because it's just not in our world. But if you talk to them, this is a huge issue for them. And it's to be clear that in chapter 9, God curses Canaan and not Ham. So um, the argument goes that oh, Ham had four sons. Uh, one of them was Cush, who is uh, traditionally known as being black. And then Egypt, obviously, in Northern Africa, and that's why the curse flows through there. But actually, it's Canaan who's cursed, who we know later on in the Bible is great resistance to the people of God. So it's a totally different issue from what we're seeing. But that is where um, things like the Atlantic slave trade flow out from. That is where Rwandan genocide can flow out from because of misreading of, of Scripture. So it's just really important to be aware of that. So if you do ever evangelize someone who's, uh, who's black from an African or Caribbean background, they may say, that's a white man's religion, why would I believe that? Because of this issue, this being one of the major issues. And it's really important that we just are aware of that as we come and speak to it. So um, we, can, we can chat about, sorry, that's a really quick aside. Great. Let's jump forward to Acts chapter 2. So John T was saying, look, so if, we, if our title is Unity and Diversity, what Babel does is causes disunity and diversity with this confusion, and it's unity and homogeneity, unity and being uniform and sane. Those are the two major issues. You get to Acts chapter 2 on this great day of Pentecost. Um, we might be you're probably familiar with the story. Uh, go, go to verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Okay, so hang on a second here. Babel said there was one language, and then now there's lots of confusion, lots of different languages. If there's, a lot of, the way I've been taught this sometimes is Pentecost is just a reversal of Babel. Which means then that should all come back to speaking one language, but they don't. 
They hear it all in their own language. The one language is the Spirit of Christ, what he speaks about the gospel of Jesus, but it's all heard in their own diverse languages and tongues. So it's not just a reversal of Babel, it's much more nuanced than that, it's much deeper and richer than that. This is God's continuation of his diverse spreading out, being fulfilled through Pentecost. And so the, these people, the, the, the verse 8 and onwards, you hear, then how is it that each of us hears him in our own native language? And then you've got a list of people. Again, lots of studies have been done here to say this reflects a lot of Acts chapter 10. Those people groups spreading Genesis out. 10. Sorry, Genesis chapter 10, sorry. And this is reflecting that in the way they, they spread out. And we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. And that is what I realized was Pentecost was exactly that. It was re redoing that disunity and diversity, that uniformity in the uh, uh, unity in, in uniformity. That is what it was reversing. It's not to say uh, diversity is bad and, and, and this is what God is doing uh, in reversing Babel. He's saying, no, diversity is a good thing and this is how I'm enriching it, by dealing with sin at the heart of humanity, not dealing with the issues of ethno-diversity and, and whatnot. Um, and this is a huge step in, and that's how we understand the rest of the New Testament. That is why we see Jew and Gentile in churches together, trying to figure those issues out. How do we, how do we get together as, as one people, one body of Christ? Uh, that is, that is a, a major thing that, uh, that we pick up throughout the rest of the New Testament. And it gives us hope into the future. Yeah, so I guess we now live in, in the time, the crossover time, when we live in a time when the confusion of Babel still exists to some extent, but also the recreation of Pentecost, the re-taking us back to Genesis 10, is being formed in us. And so you have this double thing. You have the confusion of Babel and the recreation of Pentecost happening within the church. That's why it's hard. <laughs> right? That's why it's painful. That's why we still get confused. That's why we still hurt each other. That's why we still need to listen to each other. That's why we still get it wrong, because we live in this crossover time until the final day um, which is humanity's glory it's the fourth point it will take me about 30 seconds because it's just so glorious but it's so simple in Genesis um, in Revelation 7 if you've ever looked at any of this stuff you'll, you'll know this but there's no other place really to see the glory of humanity so finally completed where the Apostle John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried in a, out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Is it, I mean, it just couldn't be clearer, could it? A vast multitude Every people, every nation, every language. Unity. But still diverse. And what is missing in heaven is not languages. What's missing in heaven is confusion. There's no more confusion. And so we will all stand there and someone will be speaking Welsh to me and I'll understand and together we'll raise our voices and there will be no more confusion. Just like on the day of Pentecost, we will hear each other in our own languages, but we will understand each other. So we'll never have those awkward situations. We'll never have that confusion. We'll never have that misunderstanding where we misunderstand each other's culture or we get it wrong or we say something inappropriate. Because all of the confusion of Babel will be gone. 
but not the diversity. And that's the key thing. And so we live now in the confusion recreation time. And so we need to be asking the spirit of peace to bring that a bit of heaven into our church now that we might begin to reflect what we one day will be. I hope that sets some background. And I don't think really anything that I've said necessarily will surprise you. Probably some of the things Mike has said may have been really helpful to you. <laughs> but I think that the, we just want to get the foundations in place. This is what Jesus came to do. And if you want to know how much it matters to Jesus, you may say, why are we spending a whole day on this? Because Jesus was willing to die on a cross for this. Jesus didn't die to save you. Don't take that out of context. That's the kind of thing that could just be cut in a little clip. John T. denies the gospel. Jesus didn't die for you. Actually, I'd stand by that. He didn't die for you. He died for his people. He died for his bride. He died for his diverse, beautiful, varied bride. He died to make this happen. So for us to spend a Saturday making the, talking about how we could be part of making this happen doesn't feel like too big a sacrifice. He died to make it happen. And if you know him, if you've been saved by him, if he died for you, and if, if your sin has been forgiven, and if you've been welcomed into this family, if you've admitted your pride and you know him as your saviour, then you're part of this. You don't get a choice. <laughs> it's part of the privilege of who you are. So we want to work at this. But can I say, we still live in a time of confusion. So even today, it may be that we'll say things. It may be that one another will say things. And we get things wrong. Can we trust each other to be honest? If someone says something that offends you, tell them. I wouldn't know unless someone come and told, came and told me. Let's talk. Let's think. But with all of this gospel, this beautiful gospel background, we're going to sing again, I think. Um, I'll pray, and then we'll sing again. And then we'll have a break for what appears to be cake, which has appeared at the back. Um, but let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this overview that we've seen. We praise you for your purpose for humanity. We're so grieved for the pride of humanity that we still see in our own hearts that we would still resist you that we would still try and pursue uniformity, that we like the people who are like us and we gather the people who are like us around us. Lord, it's our pride that does that. Holy Spirit, please would you be recreating us in the image of what you've made us to be. And we long for that day of, in glory when we'll all stand and we'll belt out the praises of Jesus in our own languages and there'll be no more confusion. Lord, we long for that day in Jesus' name. Amen.